All right, we're back. We have a very, very special guest here today. A, uh, a legend in the Kansas City music scene, Lonnie McFadden. How's it going, Ralph? Thanks for coming. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. yeah. So I, f I found out about you actually uh, from my parents, I believe. My yeah. parents who came down and saw you, I don't know, it has to be 10 something years ago by now. And uh, they, they've been a huge fan and, and I came out to see a bunch and um, been, uh, been really, uh, really, really impressed by everything that you've done in your career so far. I've heard lots of, you know, Lots of things about you know just the your your history in the music scene and and just wanted to say as uh, I could say from you know speaking for Kansas City we, we thank you thank you for all you've done for that you know wow well I am a proud member of the Kansas City live music community I I uh, I'm glad to, I'm glad that I'm still part of it I'm mm -hmm. glad that I'm that guys like you you know you guys are the new generation that you all still find me relevant. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to be a part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we like what, what I've been talking a lot about this show is how things impact other things, and what I've been, I think, a lot of people have been fascinated by is your family in general. You know, and uh, kind of probably the best place to start is uh, tell tell me a little bit about your dad. Well, my father was in his heyday. He, I mean, I talk about it from the bandstand. He used to dance in front of Count Basie Orchestra. Jay McShann. I met Jay McShann one day when I was rehearsing my band in the basement. My father hollered, hey, you guys come up here. I want you to meet somebody. And it was Jay McShann. And, you know, I mean, but my whole life was like that. My dad always had these other jazz musicians that would just drop by to holler at Jimmy, you know, mm -hmm. the Jimmy and Peaches. That's, that's my mom and dad. They, mm -hmm. that, my father was not performing anymore. When he was raising us, he was just daddy. He was working at the post office, and my mom was working as a bartender out here at Hillcrest Country Club. And they were, but, but all of their friends, you know, because you have to keep in mind back when they were growing up, everybody that was in the black community was closely knit. So, mm -hmm. in other words, like when Louis Armstrong came to Kansas City, he stayed in the black neighborhood, so he got mm -hmm. to know people there. And Nat Cole. And and so with Kansas City being the melting pot that it was, where most of the, well, I won't say most, but there were so many great jazz musicians that were from here. Everybody knew each other that was entertainers or musicians and stuff and, and, and the ball players and stuff like that. So it's like, I mean, I met Satchel Paige when I was growing up. I mean, wow. I, I mean, I met a lot of people mm -hmm. that, because of my father. And mm -hmm. so it was... It was that kind of thing, though, you know, that that was their generation. And uh, I'm glad that I had a chance to experience a little bit of that. I mean, you know, I, it had it not been for my father's friends, I, I wouldn't have learned how to play hardly at all. I mean, I, that's, that's, that was my introdu introduction to jazz, and that was my experience. The, the things that his friends told me to practice on this. Mm -hmm. That was my teacher. I never, I never had a private teacher on trumpet. I had private piano lessons. Ronald and I started on piano when we were five, mm -hmm. five years old. Yes, yeah. I know. I know you've talked at your shows a little bit about uh, going up to Foundation or whatever, yeah. and you're like eight or something, right? I mean, or five or something. Yeah, you the know, first because... time. Yeah, the first time we were like eight, eight or nine years yeah, well, old. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess. No, we, well, the first time, the first time we were like eight and nine. The second time, we were like 11 and 12 years old. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when my brother played. And that, that made me start taking music seriously because mm -hmm. they passed the hat around and gave him this mm -hmm. big pile of money. <laughs> so yeah, that funny. made me think, hmm, I better start learning how to play this thing. Yeah, yeah. But, but you saw you saw what was happening with him and you're like, oh, huh. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. I, I mean... You know, I don't know. I mean, was was jealousy in there a little bit, or it wasn't? Exactly it's always jealousy. been yeah. a, a a very healthy competitive yeah. nature between Ronald and I, but it was compatible at the same place. We never fought each other. Like right. I was a pitcher on the baseball team when we were growing. He was a catcher, and then he started playing every. Ronald was so versatile. He started playing, but he really excelled at first base. Uh, Ronald was the leadoff hitter. Just like now, he's he always takes the first solo, mm -hmm. and I was the cleanup hitter. Mm -hmm. Even though I was a pitcher, I, I could hit the ball hard, mm -hmm. and um, 
And so Ronald and I, it's like we were the yin and yang for each other when it came to the tap dance. And he, he took off with it way faster than I did because we we grew up playing in, you know, let, let me back up. Let me back up. I'm getting too far ahead. Basically, in the environment I grew up in, what led me to the trumpet was the the day and age it, it was. It, it was like when bands that were popular were James Brown and Cool in the Gang, stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. So playing the piano, you know, that was like, you know, the nerdy mm -hmm. geek kind of people. You know, that's the way we were looked at. And then for us tap dancing, oh, that was like totally out of the question. Nobody mm -hmm. tap danced. There yeah. was boys. Mm -hmm. That was a girl thing for right, us sure. people in my neighborhood. But I didn't even know it. I mean, I the only tap dance teacher I had was my father. So mm -hmm. tap dancing was masculine. The only time I saw it on television, Sammy Davis was joining it. And, or somebody that my father would tell us to look and it would be Buck and Bubbles or... Or something like that. And then when I look at the old MGM musicals, it was Fred Astaire, Jenkins. So mm -hmm. I didn't get it. Yeah. But because of peer pressure, when I was when I went to Lincoln High, Lincoln Junior, I completely quit. And I wouldn't even admit that I knew how to do it. <laughs> you know, and so... Well, that was probably hard because you're, I mean, your dad's introducing you to Jay McShann and all these people, yeah. you know, and you're like, tap dancing is not cool? Really? Is that so? You know, I mean, yeah. you're, you're meeting Count Basie and watching the, that kind of stuff, you know? Well, it was their thing. It was their thing. Yeah. Their generation. Mm. You know, I wanted yeah. to be, you know, when you... It, and I think all teenagers are like this. You want to be accepted by your peers. Sure. Which led me to the trumpet and Ronald to the saxophone, mm -hmm. you know, and and um, that's that was a great move for me, not not to quit tap dancing. I mean, we picked that back up later. Again, everything that I do now is because I want to make a living playing music. I never asked to learn how to sing. Yeah. I was required to learn how to sing. Yeah, I mean, wow. to, to sing, so I just kept trying to do it and now people like it. I'm lucky because I, I never set out to be a singer. And as a tap dancer, that was handed down to me. I, I mean, so it's kinda, I kinda evolved into everything that I do because it's part of the gig. You know, it's like mm -hmm. we started tap dancing because the first time my band went to Japan, we were, playing, we were a cover band and in the States, in, in the order to move from being a cover band to getting a record deal. Back then, you know, he's talking about people like Earth, Wind & Fire and Cameo, Cool in the Gang, uh, uh, Blood, Sweat & Tears, all of that. In order to come out of just playing in nightclubs and, and get a record company's attention, you had to have your own thing. That's what America's about, doing mm -hmm. your own thing. That's what all art is about, doing mm -hmm. your own thing. And so when we, we were good enough that we got this gig in Japan. But when we got over there, what we found out is the fact that we would deviate from the way that it was on the record. We would have our own spin on it. It would, they they didn't like us that much, mm. you know? And so we started trying to figure out how to be more visual. And that's when Ronald and I, one day we were practicing and we were learning some new material. And we were talking about how, wow, you know, we can't add too much to it because they, you know, they're not going for that over here. And uh, it was a good gig. I mean, it's the best paying gig we had had up to that point. Mm -hmm. And and so uh, Ronald said, well, why don't we, it's just part of this tap dance routine that my father used to call the tacit. Why don't we put the tacit in the middle? It was a disco song, and so you don't don't and everybody's out doing, everybody's out there dancing and stuff, and everything. I mean, and they love to dance. I mean, these young people in Japan, and at the time we were like 19, 20 years old. I think the oldest one in the band had just turned 21. We were like right out of high school, basically. Yeah. And we were over in Japan playing for all these young people, and it was like an upscale club, so everybody's rich. Mm -hmm. And and we didn't want to lose this gig, so we, we planned, and Ronald suggested it. And mind you, we didn't have any tap shoes. We back back in this is this is back in the uh, 70s, so every we had platform shoes. Mm -hmm. So we put the microphones on the we were doing in the middle of doing this step, doing this song, and everybody's out on the dance floor dancing. Then Ronald and I ran out there while we were singing the song, put the mics on the floor, and started dancing, and they 
lost it. Mm -hmm. They and so we were like, okay, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> so mm -hmm. we started back to tap dancing, and then we started putting. We had maybe two songs just out of trying to add an element of surprise. That we did these spins and 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 a little. It wasn't really a lot of choreography. It was just uh, out of out of nowhere. We everybody in the band would hit this spin and do a slide, and and people loved that. Mm -hmm. So we started doing choreography in like ninety percent of the songs we would do when we would learn the song. Ronald would choreograph it also. Yeah, that's cool. And then a couple of songs we put, Ronald and I would do a feature. And I mean, you know, we, we became visually, as visually exciting mm -hmm. as the music was for people to dance to and listen right. to. And that started separating us and we, from from the regular regular bands that were in the circuit we were in, you know, and, and we were, and when I say circuit, I'm talking about the Chitlin circuit, the black, clubs and then from here Des Moines uh, Wichita right here in the Midwestern region you know Rock Island Illinois mm -hmm. was, you know and we would we would so we would go from playing all of those kind of places to go to Japan for four months mm -hmm. and that that's basically what sustained us because here in Kansas City and any place that we went we were we were confined to play in the black neighborhood. That's just how it was. When I mean, mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of changes, I, mm -hmm. I, and I thank God for it. I mean, this is this is really cool to me to to see the way it it is now, as opposed to me remembering the way it used to be when I was a teenager, and then even in my twenties, and a young man raising a family, you know, and and so it's. This is a cool place, man. Mm, yeah. yeah. With the, in regards to your family as well. So the other day, uh, was it? It was Chloe who was tapping with you, right? Yeah, yeah. That's how, yeah. What, do you, what do you what do you think about that? Of her taking what do I think about it? I, I love it. I I um I I think it's up to her though. Mm. You know, it's it's and and I get this question a lot, even though you didn't ask this one, but I want to say it because people people will talk about. Lonnie around the McFadden brothers said, well, Lonnie, where's Ronald? What is he doing? All this, or like you're bringing up Chloe. Oh, Gina was on American Idol. What, why, why, why isn't she singing? Or Chloe, Chloe, she's tap dancing, man. And what? It's a personal thing. You know, you, you, you do music. Uh, to do this full time like I do, it's, it's, a, it's a personal decision. It's not for everybody because it's a lot that, that comes with that. You might not, if, if you're the kind of person that wants to order a new Mercedes next year, I would suggest you don't try to do what I'm doing, <laughs> you know. However, if you're the kind of person that that just loves what you do so much that you cannot not do it, <laughs> that's who I am. Yeah. And I've been fortunate in I've been fortunate. It's like when I, uh, you know, because I've been to the, that fork in the road many times in my career mm -hmm. and as an adult raising kids and stuff where, okay, I'm going to have to get a day job. I'm going to have to do this and I'm going to have to do that in order to support this music habit. Mm -hmm. yeah, this habit. So, yeah. And so, it's a bad habit I have. <laughs> this, this, well, I, I think it's a great habit, but it is it is something that, that didn't pay the bills mm -hmm. that I wanted to do. And so... Uh, when I finally came to a point in my life, and you know, everything in its time. I was at a point where I, I was divorced and and I was, I, I didn't have the kids, they would stay with me only on weekdays when they had to because because mm -hmm. like, like my boys stayed with me for what, you know, we had joint custody. Yeah. But what I started seeing is that every time they had a chance to be at their mother's house they would be there because it's nothing against me. Mm -hmm. I didn't take it personal. It's like that was the family house. That's what they knew. That's where yeah. their friends were. Yeah. You know, that when they go out and play in the backyard or go next door to Jeff, Gary's house or something. Mm -hmm. That's where all that was. Yeah. And so what I started feeling, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> the only reason I said back then I was selling cars at Aristocrat, Aristocrat Motors. <clears throat> And and no no when I quit I I was selling actually selling that Independence Honda the economy changed anyway long story I'm not gonna get on that but I was selling cars at, at Independence Honda and so it was like seven in the morning and I'm putting on a tie and I'm thinking all this stuff I'm looking I'm really seeing my life 
really seeing it. Mm-hmm. And and I'm like putting on the time like who are you? you know, I didn't know this guy. And yeah. I'm like, I'm spending twelve hours a day doing something I don't wanna do for people that are not here to be around it to try to get back somebody that doesn't want to be with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I want to be happy. Yeah. And the only thing that has always, always given me joy was music. So I went in and quit cold turkey. I gave yeah. my two weeks notice. Wow. I mean, I didn't just leave because I, you know, you build relationships and and I don't want to burn bridges. Because and because the, the other side is like, I figured worst case scenario. Cause I, I after I went in and quit, I went. I paid. I was staying at this apart in this apartment in Overland Park, and I, I, uh, I paid up my apartment for two months or maybe three months. I can't remember now. And I don't eat a lot. My wife even teases me, but I mean, I can live off a can of tuna and and a lot of water every day. And I, so that was an issue. My car. I had bought this old Mercedes. That was all, and so I didn't have a car payment. Basically, I had to pay my apartment. And the utilities. I said, worst case scenario, three months from now, I'll be broke, and and I'll have to ask for my job back. And I was okay at it, so I knew I could get yeah. get a job back selling cars. Well, well, this this thing you just hit on is something that every single one of us have to deal with: is this idea of day job or not, and and how hard do I go in on all this gigging and finding students or however I'm going to figure out how to make my money, and that that's something that I think. A lot of us haven't, so some of us will be able to figure out how to do that and, and be able to, like for example with teaching, be able to find 20 students, 30 students, and then now that's your pretty much day job and then you can go, you know, be with all these knuckleheads out at, you know, out at these bars and have fun and play and, but a lot of people haven't figured out how to perfectly, I, I how to perfectly deal with that, you know, how to go find your, your car dealership or whatever, you know, whatever your day job is, but mm-hmm. then they're sitting there like, Ugh, I hate this and that, you know, and is, so you, so, so is, is it your opinion that you, a lot of people need to, like you said, if you, if you want the six car garage and you know, that, that huge lifestyle kind of thing, this may not, you know, may not hundred percent be the perfect choice. But if you, if you're at a point where you, you have to do this, like in here, you, you know, like you can't not play music. You think those are the kind of people that would probably are going to have success out here or success, you know, is defined a lot of different ways. Yeah. Let me, let me start there. Yeah. Success. I mean, because I do okay financially now, but when I quit selling cars, I didn't know. Yeah. Here's the thing. I wanted, I wanted to, to uh, smile again mm. on the inside. Yeah. I wanted to be happy again. And I didn't know whether I'd make any money or not. But, but what comes with that, see, I've always been a hard worker, too. You have to, you have to be real with yourself. Mm. I, couldn't, I didn't just quit, quit selling cars and then sleep to, you know, people's mm. idea of a musician, they sleep <laughs> to four in the evening and they get up and have a sandwich and smoke a joint and then go to the gig. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Not if you want to make a living. Yeah. So I kept the same regiment except now I was trying to get gigs. I, I didn't stop getting up at six in the I mean seven in the morning. I didn't stop timing in so to speak at nine. I just was timing it for me. Mm-hmm. I would go to the computer every day. I still do this. I don't. I don't do it at nine. My, I, in case my wife sees it, she'll she'll say no, he doesn't. I do it at ten though. <laughs> yeah. I do do it right. at ten. And and yeah. so, what what happens is you have to. Everybody, you have to ask yourself: Am I going to get up every day and practice? Am I going to email people? Am I going to go? I, I remember to get a gig at Jardines. I used to sit with Greg Hostet. I used to go out there and sit with them and have a beer. I didn't drink beer back then. Have a drink, have a, sit with Greg all night, and I would get one gig three weeks later. Yeah. Do you want to do that? I did. Yeah. Ronald, again, I said, I said all this to say, well, people ask about Ronald or Chloe or Gina. They probably don't want to do that. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I do. I, I, I would rather, I would rather do everything it takes. I would rather go into a club and figure out. What is it going to take for me? Like, Mark Lowry teased me one time. We were at one club. He said, Lonnie, once you get them, you keep them. That's not an accident. I really think about it. I don't, it's not about me. That's another thing with me. It's, I get enjoyment 
out of seeing people smile. I get enjoyment. If I do a love song and I see a lady in the third row and snuggle up to the date, that that knocks me out. Yeah. It really does. And so with that being the case, I'm at a, a I'm I'm in a very fortunate career choice because I do something that gives me so much joy and people like it. And that, so it, it works. So now, now to answer your question betterly, better answer your question, I think that my opinion is that you have to know that this is just what you want to do, period. But you can't do it for the glamour. You can't do it for the money. Mm -hmm. You can't do it for the when 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 you when I was young. There's a lot of guys do it for the girls. They was doing it for the girls. Yeah. You know when you play in a band, all the girls. You can't do it if you do it for any of those reasons. I guarantee you're gonna fail mm -hmm. on some level. But with me, and see, and again, it didn't just start. You know, you know, I can say I started when I quit selling cars, but I had already been doing this for 35 mm -hmm. years. Yeah. I had been with Wayne Newton. Mm -hmm. I had been. I had played all the festivals in Europe. I had played. Had my own band at, at 17 years old. That for five years in a row, we went to Japan for four months at a time. When everybody else, mm -hmm. all of my peers in Kansas wow. City, had not left the city. If they did, they went to Wichita, Topeka, yeah. or at the best, L.A. Mm -hmm. We had we had done all kind of things. Mm -hmm. By the so by the time I made this this. Abrupt decision, abrupt decision that I'm gonna play music. Period, and I meant that. I, I really mm -hmm. did. I, everybody does. I meant if I, I meant if I wasn't at able to do the things I'm doing now, I would have been on the corner on the plaza mm -hmm. with right. my case out. And I knew that. Mm -hmm. I, I, but I knew it. And again, without trying to sound metaphysical or or spiritual or anything, because I don't think I'm heavy, but I think it is something to the universe will conspire to to do whatever you do. Whatever you do, if I practice every day and, and try to get better, some kind of way, even though I've been self-taught, I'll get a nugget here, somebody say, Lonnie, have you tried doing songs? And I start practicing on, I, these, are, these are gems that have helped me through the years that, that, that have came across my way because I'm trying so hard. So is God or the creator or whatever your thing, your thing is, has led me in the right directions. Last year, I, my year, last year, I was I put out a CD with with some of the baddest young musicians in this city. I I I was the the producer of the Charlie Parker. I, man, you and you have no idea what that did to me because I grew up my whole life. Charlie Parker was a friend of my father's. So that all of that, I I. Uh, I, I did tapology for the second year in a row. That's this this festival where it has some of the best tap dancers in the world. And they find what Ronald and I do to be relevant. And mm -hmm. I so I mean I I don't and the, all these the, the three things these th Ronald and I played at the Kaufman Center. Mm -hmm. We played at Starlight yeah. Theater. Mm -hmm. I I uh I Starlight we were on the bill with Janelle Monet. I I'm I met her when she was a kid. Uh, at, at the Kaufman Center, we were the headliners for the for mm -hmm. all the the uh, the I forget what you call them the people that, that buy the big big memberships. Oh yeah. And so, uh, none of these things am I wise enough to make happen. Mm -hmm. I didn't make any of those things, mm -hmm. but I think through me consistently trying things, you run into people, you meet people. I, like this, I'm sitting here because your mom and dad like coming to hear me play, mm -hmm. and I think the world of your, your parents. We're like friends now. I mean, and that's just from them having date night when they they. I was playing at this little place in in uh the what what they call it now. They I used to call it River Key. I I I'm so used to calling the River Key. Now everybody calls it the uh, River Market. Yeah, River yeah, Market. Yeah. I was playing in a little club called Vivace, and, right. and they would have date night down mm -hmm. there, and um, you know, so it's a there are a lot of things that that uh, that, but 
this is what Ronald's not going to go out here and get on the phone every day and get on the emails every day. And, and he plays a saxophone. So he, I have to like, like before I came here, I did about 30 minutes of just low notes, which mm -hmm. any trumpet player that's looking at that, they know. Yeah, they just they point at the camera right now. Yeah, that's the life I live. But it's not for everybody. Right. If you don't want to get up and play low notes every day for 30 or 40 minutes, don't play a trumpet. Yeah. So you so one thing I will will share is that this kind of shows what kind of what kind of guy you are is that um, I I asked you to come out a couple of years ago and come just just talk you know and and I really appreciate I mean it was it was a thrill to come out and talk for a couple hours and one of the things that I took away from that is that it, at at the time I was talking to you about my band that I was running being frustrated with kind of the music business it was kind of basically a music business lesson sort of. And by one thing you said to me that I'll never forget is you said, uh, the faster you get your head into reality, the better off you're going to be. I and that. you did. That's, that's a pretty killer <laughs> quote, man. And, uh, and, but that's okay. a little bit similar to, <laughs> a little bit similar to what you were just talking about, about you got to be really, really, uh, true about what you're trying to go for. If it's really yeah. just girls or if, you, or if you are actually willing to do the work, like be honest with yourself, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah. so the, the one thing that was kind of cracking me up at the time is we were talking about two things. One, I was wanting, hey, uh, all the guys that I was working with, you know, if I, if I just wish really hard, they'll answer the phone. Or if I just wish really hard, then they'll, they'll get on board. And, I'll, and you, you were kind of mentioning, well, you need to, you know, realize what this guy is actually going to do, not what you wish he's going to do. And then the same thing, the same mentality was basically to kind of club owners and, e and even people in general coming to see the shows. Mm -hmm. Quit wishing that the public <laughs> is going to want this. The public actually wants this, you know. And so you just, you know, and uh, so a lot of times I think, uh, especially specifically with club owners, there's a lot of musicians that look at it as a versus kind of thing you know and we did that as kids it was like kids against the adults you know yeah. like and it's the same thing and and i know you and i you know had a real good conversation about that about some musicians that just you know they, they don't they don't see it as as a team you know right. you and the club owner again can right. you talk a little bit about that well well again to me Everything, all my thought process, everything I do stems from me wanting to make a living at playing music. Mm. So I'm a very analytical person, and, and the way I approach it is probably different than most musicians, but when I approach it, I think, okay, here's a guy, whoever he is, he opened this venue, and, and I go back, my brain says, well, why do you think he opened that venue? And my brain tells me he wants to make money. Mm -hmm. So what what is it that he's selling? He's selling alcohol. What is my job here? My job, again, me just being raw, one-on-one -on -one analytical, is my job is to attract people to come into his place to buy his alcohol. Because that's how he makes money. Because 90% of the places in Kansas City do not charge a cover charge. Mm -hmm. They make money off the board. Right. So... I, so again, it's, it's, it's a circle to me. Yeah. It's a partnership. It's a circle. It's a cycle. It's like the consumer, the, the, the club owner that, that has the venue, and then the person that, that's the attraction, which is me or the, whoever the musician is. So I see it where we're all in it together. If the, if the people have a good time at this man's club, they're going to want to come. That's part of my job to make sure they have a good time. If they have a good time and spend enough money, his club will be here for years to come. Mm -hmm. So he's happy that I'm there and the people are happy that I'm there. They're happy to be in his place. Mm -hmm. And so to me, is there is no rivalry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to uh you have to figure out your worth. So so you're not charging so much that he can't pay you. And you can't can't be be undercharged so much that that you you know everybody's buying a Mercedes and you still riding a bicycle to the mm -hmm. gig. So yeah. so you have to that's something that the way I think I'm conscious of. Mm -hmm. I'm conscious of. So it's like through the years and 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 here's the other thing, because we're all consumers. You know, people have musicians 
I've heard musicians say, well, people don't support the music. I don't think that, again, this is my opinion, and I, yeah. I, I might get shot down for this, but I don't think it's anybody's uh, 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 obligation to support anything. I think when I go out and buy gas, it's because I need it to put in my car, and I'm not going to support this place over here this plant that charges a hundred I mean a dollar and forty five cents if this place over here charges a dollar period. Unless this dollar and forty five cent per gallon gas gets me further, makes my car last longer. Right. So again, everything is the same to me. It's like I don't I don't think that people have an obligation to support the arts. I think I have an obligation to present a product that will be appealing to them. Right. That's the way I yeah, approach it. I'm not yeah. saying that any, again, this is Lonnie's opinion. Mm -hmm. It could be very wrong to yeah. pray for a lot of people watching, but this is how I approach it. So I don't approach it, you know, it's the same. I mean, I, I look at everything. I go one-on-one, I, I go to the, the lowest common denominator. Right. It's like if you were dating a girl mm -hmm. and you know she doesn't like uh, cowboy boots. Why would you? Why would you wear cowboy boots every time you're around her? Right. If she doesn't like a beard, why would you grow a beard? It, mm -hmm. Now, if it, so, my thing is, if you know what your audience wants, why would you not give it to them? Mm -hmm. Well, I don't. I don't understand that. I mean, but I'm an entertainer though. Mm -hmm. At home, at, at at I'm an artist. I'm trying to to to. Uh, get better I, when I put on my tap shoes I'm trying but when I'm in front of people again my opinion I feel like it's my job to help them to have an enjoyable evening mm -hmm. I think I, I do the same way if they were guests in my home I don't just open the door and say hey how you doing and then go sit and flip the tea you greet them at the door and say hey how's it and then mm -hmm. your whole the whole time they're that they are there you're hosting them you you put out some hors you probably wouldn't have put out no hors d'oeuvres if it was just you at the house. Right. You just grab the can of beer out there and then open a bag of potatoes. Mm -hmm. You don't do that when your company comes over. So I don't do that with, I don't just sit and, and get into my own head and practice on the mm -hmm. bandstand. Mm -hmm. I don't do that. I try to present what I've what I've perfected and I try to I try to present it in a way that will make them have an enjoyable evening and make them want to come again, my opinion. Well, that, that's because that there's all, everything is looping into itself too, because that gets to my next point of, and this is unfair that, that some people frame the idea of this way, but they, they kind of frame it like, I'm an entertainer or I'm an artist, right? And, they, and that, that's unfair because like, it's really hard to separate those a lot and that's getting back to the what is my point with being in this bar right now because you were talking about that I don't understand people that that think that way well that's because that that leads me to the conclusion that they're worried about themselves right they're not thinking about the, the people that want to become artists right that that's the conclusion they're not worried about the bar owner they're not worried about the public they they want to just you know be in kind of their own head and play music that they like and and you, you said something interesting to me too. The the other thing, and you didn't. I don't think you specifically said this when we met that other time. But this is what I took out of it: is I was trying to say that okay, I'm gonna play these originals, and I'm gonna be this jazz guy, and I'm gonna have this integrity, you know, and never play covers and all that kind of stuff. And then you through the conversation, you kind of, I kind of realized I'm like I got 500 cover CDs in my bedroom right now. This doesn't make any sense. I love covers. What am I talking about? You know, and I had to re-examine and you were kind of trying to show me that, man, you don't, you don't always have to drop, you don't have to do the Sweetum Alabama and Mustang Sally, but you got, you got to do something. You can't just play your, you know, 19 minute instrumentals and then nobody shows up, you know, I mean, it's fine, but. Again, yeah, I think so. it's all in what you want. Mm -hmm. I want to make a living playing mm -hmm. music. Yeah. If I, if you just want to be an artist, and and you don't care, you really don't. I mean, if that's who you are, I say be that. I, I really don't say you should be like me. I'm saying that when I quit selling cars, I knew what the odds were. I knew what the odds were. Yeah. And now the odds are way better here in Kansas City than they've ever been. Now mm -hmm. this is like 15 years later. Now. Mm -hmm. 
And so I've been fortunate that now there are a lot of places to play. But when I quit selling cars, I was working in the corner of a of a little restaurant. They were that was not a music venue. Mm -hmm. That was a restaurant that had music once every two weeks, and I was that guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this this without being that, if I want to continue to be that guy, because now I don't have the the uh, the safety net of having a job. What? Are these people responding to? Mm -hmm. And so, it, to me, it's it's easy mathematics or easy, easy logic. So, mm -hmm. but but to the person that is that guy that that I just I just want to play my original music and I just want to 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 play things that are artistically interesting enough to me and my musicians. That I I don't say anything. I I'm not against that. Right. I I I think there's there's a place for that. And and that's just not who I am, me, mm. Lonnie, personally. You know, and 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 you know, I think it's all in. I've always wanted to be like Sammy Davis and and Frank Sinatra and those people. It's not like I see that as a, a as a way of shying away from being an artist. Right. I don't see that right. as a as a step down. Yeah, I don't see yeah. see, and so because I grew up liking Marvin Gaye and and enjoying James Brown, and I still do. If I look at one of those old clips, it still makes me smile because I actually like that. I don't see it as a, a step down right. with my integrity yeah, sure. to, to do that. That's, no, that's really who I am. I'm not, I'm not that highbrow person that goes to your chamber music every week. I'm not that highbrow person that all you, if you come to my house, all you're gonna hear is 1960s John Coltrane all day, or Archie right. Shep, or something like that. I'm not that person. Mm -hmm. I like it, but that's that's not what I do. I don't. If you go in my car now and we flip on the push to start, you're not gonna just hear. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. why would right. I? Why would I try to do that? That's right. that's not. Now, if you are that person, because there are people now. Now, let, let me back up with the people on the bandstand with me because I don't hire somebody because they're an entertainer. I want the best musicians I can find. Right. And whatever your thing is, I don't care if you can do my thing and help me to, it's all about me hiring the best musicians that I can find that can help me to present a quality product. But I'm in charge of the product. It's their job to help me. Right. And so I'm fortunate that most of the musicians that that I I hire, and I, you know, I've been with some. You've seen me some very great musicians, mm -hmm. and they they don't mind at least stepping in my world for a minute because mm -hmm. I don't ask them to not be them. I don't mm -hmm. ask them to become. I'm an entertainer. You be the best piano player, the greatest piano player, the most artistic. You be the best bass player. Mm -hmm. You be the, do you. That's why you're here. I want mm -hmm. I want you to be you. I don't want you to be me. And you be the drummer. I don't want you to turn into Lonnie. Right. I, that's, but I'm the one that's in charge of presenting this. So mm -hmm. whatever this group I have and whatever it is they bring to the table, I think if I do have a, a talent, it's at presenting right. them. Yeah, that's I mean, and like, I thought, I think you, you do a fantastic job of this. And I think well, Mar you. Mark and... Definitely, you know the the late great, you know Donovan. When you had that those three going, you 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 do your songs and you decide to do the, you know my girl whatever. But you kind you kind of let Mark go tear that up and yeah. Donovan, you know, and yeah. like you just said, it's not yeah. just presenting perfectly the original or anything like that. Mm -hmm. You you let these guys come in and yeah. do their thing yes. over this, and I'm gonna direct kind of direct this and yeah. you know I think you do a great job of that personally. Yeah, uh, but thank you. That's that's exactly the way. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's it. I want them to to own it. Yeah. yeah, let me do what I what I do, but then I want you to to show up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely want them to and, show up. And you said another thing earlier about kind of when when you you said you and Ronald decided. You, you had this inclination. We put the mic on the floor. We took we yeah. took our thing in this different direction. Yeah. I get the impression that, like I was saying earlier, that some guys just don't want to do that. They don't want to go to... They don't want to take that gig where you guys went. You know, and you, you saw this. All right, so we're going to put choreography in every... This is what it takes. We're going to do it. 
Plus, it sound the other part is though it sounded like that was pretty fun for you guys. It though, was. We know? loved it. And that's we maybe the difference is they is they don't they have convinced themselves that that's not fun, and and that that's probably the difference there. But they're just not willing to do that. That's a perfect example of like we're gonna take this band this way, but it's not me playing the perfect solo and then I go home. You know, it's like we're gonna do this other thing, and they're just not willing to do that. I guess. Yeah, you know? all of us are different. I. I you know, my opinion is that there is no just cookie-cutter right way. I think what I'm doing works for me, mm-hmm. but I don't think it would work for everybody. But the reason it the reason it works for me is because I'm doing what... I'm being true to who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm really being yeah. true to the way I think. Like mm-hmm. you said, even back then, we decided we're going to... Cause we, I mean, that would have been the worst. You know, here's, here's the two. Again, I, everything's black and white with me, and my wife gets yeah, on me yeah. about that. <laughs> it's like, either we're going to be be the kind of group that they like, and they're going to keep us here and invite us back even next year, which ended up happening five years in a row, or they're going to send us back to Kansas City. I know what's waiting on me in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. I live in Kansas City. Right. I, I know that I, what, what we're talking, I'm, I'm up against, like, my band was up against like maybe five other bands that were just, they were good, good too. Mm-hmm. And so all six of us are fighting for the same $150 a night gig. Right. All of us are fighting for that same $150, 200 On a weekend, maybe it turns into a $400 gig. Right. And all six bands are fighting for it. And you got maybe four four black clubs that that will pay that and then you got three others that they basically want you to work for the door and then if you do like my band did at the end we started being popular enough where we were making more off the door than they were making at the bar because again you you consider this is a black club it's in the inner city people got a, basically a, a, a budget sure. so if they paid five dollars at the door back then we talking back in the, the uh, early 80s you know, if you're paying $5 at the door, maybe you had $15 to go out. You know, these are working people in the inner city. Mm-hmm. So it's right. not like yeah. they had. And so back then, you know, and that, I mean, $5 at the door is nothing now. But back in the, the, yeah, uh, the early 80s, $5 at the door, that would be like, I don't know, like $20 bill is now. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. And so after they get that $20 bill. And let, if you are in there, you're not on the plaza. You're not out in Leewood. You're in the mm-hmm. inner city. Yeah. And, and you know, we were playing at places where it's, it's pimps and, and drug dealers. and I mean, there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a whole different... I'm going to save that for the book. But that was, <laughs> that was a whole different scene. The, the live music scene in Kansas City at the places that me and, like I said, is probably about four or five other bands that were very good, too. But we separated from the the herd for a couple of reasons I think may I think one of them may have been what I just said but everybody was playing good music uh, sure. and the kind of music people could dance to but we were more visual I'll mm-hmm. put it like that I think maybe that that helped us to so another thing that I was frustrated at when I was running my band that I think we talked about is that there's some bands that want when you're when you're dealing with your other bandmates they want it to be this democracy you know where, where you're letting other feedback come in and we're all helping you know and, and with little things like carrying the the PAN right helping me book help you know they're bringing people to the shows that kind of stuff and then there's other bands that are you know straight up you know dictator basically you know or not dictator but you know what I mean where you have a clear leader and and what was funny about my band is I was running it like a dictator where this is my show, it's my name, it's I'm doing a lot of stuff, but then I was annoyed when all the other guys weren't, you know, helping me book and stuff. And so it was like I was can't running have it both ways. ways. You can't have it both ways. <laughs> and it, so it was like I was running a dictatorship, but actually I really wanted a family, you know, democracy, whatever kind of style. And and like you said something funny to me when, when we talked about if you run yourself like like the 
where it's your name, your booking, etc. Do you actually want all of your all of your bandmates, knucklehead friends, to come to your gig and get drunk and do it? You know, so there's oh, there's I know some, what you're talking you know, about. You know, the, so there's other oh, yeah. other weird things about the yeah, you're talking about yeah. You know, but not not just to get off on that point, but can you can you talk about because I personally think people not being on the same page as a band and the personalities is why basically all of them bail. It, not all of them, but but the biggest reason why bands drop is because we just have a we never even talked about the goal. You know, because one guy comes in and thinks we're gonna do it like the you know songs like the original, and then the other guy doesn't want to, and the one guy is okay with kind of sitting in the basement and practicing a lot as a band. And then the other guy's like, so when are we gigging again? Mm-hmm. You know? And then like, Oh, right. You know? And then you get six months down the road and you've never had these conversations as a band and everybody being on the same page. Um, what, what do you, what do you think about that as a, in, as a, as a band? I mean, do you think it's kind of crucial that everybody sort of gets, gets in a general same goal or, dealing with your other bandmates? I mean, do you have any opinions about any of that? Or do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, I, I uh, do know what you're trying to yeah. say. I think if I'm, to be honest, from my personal experience, I uh, I don't know how that scenario looks. Because, yeah. okay, here's me. I, I, I uh, The first real band I got in was this, led by this guy named Clyde. It was called Clyde and him and her. They were easily the best band, territory band from around this black or white. They were they were just a cut above. Okay, so I got with them, everybody in the band was twenty two or twenty three. I was sixteen years old. And and uh, Clyde was without a question, the leader. Right. Without question. Yeah. He booked the band he booked the gigs. He decided the repertory and that so that was my my role model that was the only real band i had been in then and that 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 uh, experience served me greatly because one thing about if you in if you were in that position Clyde never asked for nothing either he made it happen right he made it yeah. happen yeah. he didn't he didn't ask we well we need no he did it and then he let us know what 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 we were gonna do, right. and he booked it, and he let us know where the gig was gonna be at, and let us know what it paid. So, you know, if if you were in that, and I was 16 years on, I looked up to him. He was a trumpet player. He was a trumpet player. He was the trumpet player I wanted to be. And yeah. so, so when I started my band, I kind of just approached it the same way. If I, I don't like the word dictatorship, but it's right, like if yeah. you're the leader, you gotta lead. Yeah. And yeah, that's and so, the wrong word here. And it, so yeah. it, it it wasn't it was never any discussion as to if we're gonna if we are gonna decide what we're gonna play or if we are going to that was never even on the table. Mm-hmm. It was at no part. I mean when I started my band I, I went up to them and asked told them I was starting a band and I and I had a little, some street creds in the in the inner city because I had played with Clyde, you know, and I was just 17 years old and I'd done all these, I'd been all over LA and, and Vegas and all these places and done all these things. So the band, they, they, and I'm the only one knew how to put a band together. Mm-hmm. You know, the bass player knew how to play a bass, but he didn't know how it related to the horns. Yeah. From playing with Clyde, I learned, I wasn't just doing my part. I was really learning when, when Clyde would put this stuff together, I was, I was soaking it in. Mm-hmm. And so when I started my band, I knew what the drummer's job was and what the bass player. Most people in high school, they don't know what their job is. Mm-hmm. They just know the, how to play their instrument. And I knew how to, I knew how to put it. So from the, the first rehearsal, I, I, and I'm, I'm just figuring this out now, I probably gained their respect because we were trying to learn this cool in the gang song and everybody had an idea of what, and I, I changed everything. Mm-hmm. I said, no, nah, what you need to do is I, I showed him, showed right. the guitar player the chord that he needs to play. And the drummer, he had, I said, no, nah, the beat, the way it's going. And I showed him, I broke, I said, no, boom. And I said, and the reason that I could explain, 
because that has to, the bass drum has to match with the bass player. And when you hit this, that's because the horns are bop, bop. I said, that makes all the difference in the right. world. And so since I was the one with the knowledge of how to bring us all together, they never questioned it. And, and we, mm -hmm. we just, and so, and, and that's been my experience with everything, everybody that I played with. Cause I play with a lot of people's band. When I when I go do a gig with Dave Stevens, Dave doesn't ask me, Lonnie, what do you want to play? Right. He has a set list, and and I look at the trumpet part, and I play. When Ronald and I got with Wayne Newton, mm -hmm. Wayne has yeah. not asked asked anybody in the orchestra one one time. What do you guys think? We that yeah. never yeah. happened. So it's like my from the time I was sixteen years old and and started being in bands are in in professional I, I I don't want to say bands I'll say in situations where you're trying to make a living playing music it was because of somebody that was in charge and they were I've, I've never been part of a community band I, right. I never yeah. I'm not saying it don't work right. I mean I've, I've heard you know I mean, I imagine the Beatles were like that to a large extent. It's had and to like, have worked in history. Yeah, right? I mean, it's definitely worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but that's not been my experience, yeah. so I can't really speak on that. Right. You know. Well, so that and that's the thing that I think I was not understanding, and this this has been a, a a thing for me even in the last fifteen years is to when I see that problem of you at you nobody's really decided a leader or there definitely is a leader and you have some people that are just kind of not down with that. They're not letting you be the leader and they're, they're as a bandmate, they're like, no, we need to do it. And you, now you have this fighting and arguing. I was, I was wanting to believe that I'm going to be able to turn this guy to the, you know, I'm going to be able to change him or whatever. And that's something that I've, I've, been not willing to accept for like 15 years, you know, that, oh, I'll get him. I can, I can change him. I'll just explain it perfectly. And he'll, he'll, he'll come over to the side, you know, and like, are you married yet? No. Okay. I was going to say, but, well, see, That's all so of these funny. are, to me, everything you're talking about, I take it to a yeah. lowest common denominator, whether go back to when you were dating a girl right, when you yeah. was a teenager yeah. or, or anything, any of your first experiences with anything, and I, I can't think of any situation I've been in, whether it's professionally or personally, that mm -hmm. somebody is this way and I'm so clever that I can convince yeah, them yeah. to be this right. way. Mm -hmm. That hasn't ever happened for me. So, again, I, <laughs> yeah, and I, so, I go to, yeah. no, that's who they are. Yeah. And either you accept that or is that going to work? Is that going to mm -hmm. mesh? Right. You know? And it, then the, being, gonna, the being willing to move on. That, that's what I was not wanting to accept too, is when I finally come to that conclusion that, because you first, you gotta, you gotta try a little bit, because you don't know what they're gonna do, but you, when you try and it doesn't really work and they're not hearing you or you're not hearing them, I wasn't willing to go, I gotta find another group or find another person. I just wasn't able to move to the next thing. I wanted to keep trying, keep trying, oh, and yeah. do you know what I'm saying? And so, or you, you just keep trying something for like two years in a row and the, the Dr. Phil thing, how's that working for you, you know, quote, you know. And so, so I don't know, that, that's something that I took out of our conversation too that I've now, eight years later, I'm really, you know, starting to really understand what you're kind of saying is that sometimes they're just, you know, they're not going to come with you, you know, are. and that's, yeah. yeah. I, I don't, I, I see the beauty in it and I, I just see if it'll work with what, you know, certain combinations of people, it's just, it just works. And then you, you put those same people with different combinations and it, it'll be a train wreck. And yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so the, the one, uh, the one other thing I wanted to ask you is that my, this, this was actually a, a question that my, my dad wanted to ask you is he's noticed that when he goes and looks on, this is another kind of business thing, when he goes and looks on all these musicians' websites, for example, he's like, where are they playing? You know, he's like, and he goes and looks on their website, he's like, this is trash, you know, I don't know what to, you know. Mm -hmm. He goes and looks on yours, and it's dun 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 <laughs> And he's like, all right, I guess I'm coming to hear Lonnie, because he's got his shit together, <laughs> you know, and like, and, and you know, some, some people that you and I uh, both, I won't mention their names, but some that you and I know, very well that you know don't don't have that together on their website and my dad's like all right i guess i'm not never coming to see him you know and so 
and you've talked about this a lot that you so so you you think really highly about the business side of music right for younger players i mean is that something that a lot of people just have not figure it out. We get, we get trained on to play music beautifully at college, but we never deal with any of that stuff. How do you talk to a club owner? How do you, how do you tell jokes to an audience? You know, how do you, you know, how do you do a website? Who do you advertise to? All that kind of stuff. I mean, it sounded well, like you think that that's pretty important, right? I think it's essential. I think mm -hmm. it's a bit, I look at it as a business and I, I think we would meet need, need longer than we're going to have on this podcast sure, to get yeah, into yeah, it. Sure. But, but I think well, let me let me talk about somebody that I've noticed this young that I think does a great job. Uh, Amber flute flutist. Mm. I look at what she's doing, and I don't I don't even get to go out and hear her. I've only heard her one time. We played a gig together. That's when I met her about three years ago. It was when they first had the thing at the airport where they had bands there. Mm -hmm. Ronald and I were part of the first one, yeah. and she was in that band. That's the first time I'd ever heard her. I met her. I met her dad, and. Uh, and so I've just kind of watched her through these last three years, just the things that she's doing. And and she does a lot of things that I think are very conscious. I think you have to be conscious of what you're trying to, to, to accomplish. I want people like your mom and dad to know where I'm at. So right. I want to, so I do, no, it's not normal for me. Every musician, yeah. uh, the perfect day for a musician is to get up, nobody bothers us, and we get to practice, and then we go to the gig and play, and everybody loves us. Mm -hmm. That's not reality, though. Mm -hmm. At least it hasn't been mine. Before I came over here today, I had three phone calls that I that were must-do phone calls. I will, I've been texting with, with four different people, even in the car, coming here. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've had... One phone, one telephone call with a club owner that I work for, and I had one phone call with this other lady that's a writer, and and so, do I really want to? Do I think get up and, and look? No, I would. I would like to just get up, brush my teeth, go in the basement with my pajamas on, and start practicing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I would be there when my wife comes home tonight. If that were instilling my pajamas, that would be awesome to me. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. But that's not, so I think musicians, all of us, and I include me, we have to step out of our comfort zone. And I, like I said, I, I remember when I was first, because people just looked at me as one of the McFadden brothers. So I had to sit down with Greg Hostead for two and three hours to get a gig two weeks from now, one night, mm -hmm. sit up all night, talking with him, drinking, listening to him tell me stories that I like Greg. But some of them stories I didn't I didn't care to hear. But yeah. I like Greg. Me and Greg got yeah. to be friends through the years. And so if you're not willing to do all that, again, we in a local market, you know. I know your mom and dad personally. I know you personally. Yeah. A lot of people that come to see me, I know them personally and yeah. we know each other personally. And so you you have to nurture it's it like any relationship. You nurture it. So I want to be as available as possible. I want people to know how to find me. I don't want you yeah. to have to, to call all over town to, to find out where I'm at. I've seen so many people that won't come talk to their audience during break. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, and I mean, you know, my parents are waiting to talk to you for a couple seconds. Yeah, and I door. like that. See, yeah, and again, you know, for but me, the, it's part of what I like. These guys aren't thinking that way. You know, they're like, they go talk to their bass player on break. You know, or go outside and they're not even talking. That, that just tells me, that leads me to the conclusion that, and this is a rough thing to say, but do they, do they care about their audience? You know, it's a tough, tough, you know, that's a tough conclusion to come, but you obviously care about your audience. I do you know, care. you and the, these are your friends and, you know, or do you do just care. walk past them going to the bar and then you walk past right out, you know, have a cigarette and then you're right back on stage again and, you know, I don't know. That leads me to the conclusion. You know. Well. You know, I mean, that's. Uh, I, you know, again, it's uh, unfortunate. You know, certain things that people give me credit for, I really, it came from something way higher than me because, okay, if you like the way I play the trumpet, thank you because I practice at that every day. Or tap dancing, I practice at it. Although it was, again, that was handed down to me, the knowledge of how to approach it. Singing, 
I never tried. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm so fortunate. If my mannerism off stage, the way I automatically go up to people and barge into their table and stuff. Mm -hmm. I, again, I like, I like um, hanging out and getting to, to, to converse with people. I mean, they've been sitting there for an hour listening to me make all this noise and they still smile. So it's like I get caught up if somebody's smiling at me when I walk by, maybe that's a Kansas City thing. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm a can you know, I if somebody smiles at me, I gotta say hi. If they say more than that, we got well, it's a conversation. <laughs> and, and I can't, you know, it's just that's so, a you're a good person thing. Well, I, don't I don't know if that's a Kansas City thing or not, but I don't uh, know, but I, I <laughs> like it. Yeah. Like so last, uh, last quick thing for you. I would, uh, if, if you got one, I would love to hear another kind of gig story from a long time ago about your dad or a crazy gig that you did or an amazing gig you got to do. Or uh, I, I think gig stories are absolutely hilarious because they're just awesome. But oh, I guess so many. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't know where. I mean, because again, you you. You know, people see me now and they, they think, oh, God, these one of McFadden brothers. They were, I remember when they were with Wayne Newton. I remember mm -hmm. Nuts. But I came from the inner city, and I've got some stories. <laughs> that actually, I don't know if we can tell on <laughs> PG-13. Uh-huh. PG-13 version, you know. like Yeah. You know. I mean, it, it's, uh, I've, I've had a very interesting life. And and I wouldn't trade one second of it. I've 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 been around situations where people are getting shot at. I've, wow. I've I remember going up to a club, and this is right here in Kansas City when I started trying to gig as Lonnie McFadden. Like I said, during the get days I would talk with Greg. I I won't say which club owner, mm -hmm. but I remember going in to get paid. And when I went into the office, he pulled his pistol out of the out of the desk, set it on the table, and said, yeah, how can I help you? I said, well, I just, I just wanted to get my check. He said, I'll be with you in about five minutes. And that's the way I was treated. Uh, I mean, by, by a lot of people. Wow. I can tell you one place that one where I had Lonnie in the band, I remember I was playing for this one, there was a booking agent that, that decided it's time for us to get this car. Because all the white bands were playing black music. So if the only thing they didn't want black people in their plan. They didn't want they wanted the white man playing parliament, but they didn't want me to play parliament. They wanted the white man to play cool in the game. They didn't want me to come in and play it. So so this one uh agent and I I, I I commend him, he just felt like it's it's gotta be a way we can break through and he just really liked my band. He said, If we if any band can do it, your band, you guys you wear the tails and the all the tuxedos and the nice outfits and you do the choreography, you and your brother tap dance. You guys gotta be the one. We played one weekend at this at this this white club and it was packed. They loved us. Mm -hmm. But by the it was back then you'd get booked for like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Mm -hmm. So we by Saturday, the audience was like thirty percent black. Mm -hmm. We got fired. Mm -hmm. He said we're attracting too many. I how did he put it? I can't rem I can't remember his exact words, but he said, I don't want it. I don't want it. He's somebody didn't want the black patronage. He said, I don't want it if you... you. I said, well, look, look. He said, look, your band's great. My customers like it. But I think you're, you're attracting the wrong kind of customers. And, and pretty soon I want... I said, and I couldn't... Argue. How can you argue with that? And, so, and then I said, well, what, what if we, we just... To, to see if it's gonna work, try two or three weeks and I'll do it for 30% less. He said, if you gave it to me, you're out of here. And so I, I, I went through a lot of that, but I never got discouraged or... Well, speaking of uh, hoping people will change, you know, I, you know what I'm saying, you know, oh, he'll come around, I don't know about that one. But that's, that's well, rough, I got, man. I got that's a lot of stories, absurd. I got a lot of stories, but... You, you I just that. want to play so bad, so I went through it. A lot of people wouldn't. Uh, I mean, wow. if I didn't want to play so, because believe me, I wasn't the most. Uh, how's the word? I, I wasn't back then. I'm I'm way better now, but back then I wouldn't have bend much, and I wasn't too uh, uh, 
lenient with people talking to me a certain way, but yeah. I wanted to play. Yeah. I wanted to be there bad enough that I I take it in a, in a totally different situation in a a store, a nightclub, or on the streets or something that would ended up right differently. Yeah, right? wow. I wanted again. My thing is I want to play. I I just yeah. so I've I've I'm an analytical person, like I told you. So I analyze. How can I play? That's that's how I started playing. But yeah, like I said, I know sure. we we've taken up so much time. Yeah, but sure. but at the end of the day, everything I do, if I do it good, it's because I just want to play. I want to mm -hmm. play music to pay my. I want to pay my bills playing music. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's really man. what I want. Well, um, from I'll just say that it's uh, definitely I I can't even express how gratifying that was and an honor to get up and come jam with you guys a couple times you had me up on stage it, man. You know? it was, and, it was uh, swinging and uh that, that's been just absolutely an honor to to get to talk to you some and and have you share you know share some advice and, and stuff and and i i've noticed here recently that it's been really interesting that i've seen you play with a lot of young guys recently and yeah. and i i i I bet I know the answer to this, but uh, why uh, why are you having so many young guys play with you? I'm just, you know, it's not in. Is it kind of a giving back kind of thing? Yeah, that's the answer that I would that I it would, would guess. It, it would be. I, I would. I would like to say it's that. You know, that would make me sound really mm -hmm. good right mm -hmm. now. But I'm just trying to hire the best guy for the job. Yeah, I mean, I really am. If you if you 75 and you're the best person. That's yeah. who I would have got. Yeah, I've literally, I'm, I just want the best person for the job. Tyree's pretty good. Come on, Mark, <laughs> you know Mark, Mark. Mark tears it up. Andrew's pretty. Andrew Alets, you know, playing really good. Uh, and now I got Manning, Zach Beeson you know, on base yep. almost almost yeah. all the time. Yeah. And when I recorded, I had DeAndre. Mm -hmm. I mean, with me, I want the best person available. That that I can afford, you know. Some people maybe they they they're too expensive for me. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just know because I play so much. I don't know who's out there. So other musicians tell me about musicians. Tell me about yeah. musicians. Yeah. Marcus one told first one that told me about Zach Beeson. Mm -hmm. uh, I heard Tyree when he was still a kid at middle school mm -hmm. of arts. Andrew uh, was referred to me by Bobby Watson. Mm -hmm. So I yeah. didn't. You know, I mean, and I want the best. They're they're yeah. they're three of the best. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying they're the best, but they are in that pool. Their name is gonna come up. If yeah. if you start mentioning the best players in this city, yeah. their names are gonna come yeah. up. And so yeah, man. Well, uh, well, again, um, from I'll, I can say this on behalf of Kansas City. You know, thanks for thanks for <laughs> playing thanks, and man. being uh, such a good mu music role model for everybody, and uh, definitely. Uh, keep it up for years to come man you're definitely someone we all look up to and we appreciate uh thank appreciate you. everything you've done for kansas city music man thank you yeah thanks for having me. um lonnie mcfadden everybody <laughs> thank, thank you thanks for doing this man wow, thanks for having me. um that's that's it get out of here we're done see you guys later <laughs>